Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Hey, I want to welcome you here to church. My name is Will, and um, I have the opportunity to be our associate pastor here at Elevate. And, and I say that because I don't ever want to assume that I know every single one of you, because we've been in a movie series over these last few weeks. How, wasn't that amazing? At the movies, all of July was really just an awesome time. We had a, a blast, and, uh, but I just want to make sure you get a chance to, to say hello and get a chance to say hi. So there's that. I'm um, our associate pastor, and I just found out uh, really kind of just through remembrance this morning before uh, our 8.30 uh, worship experience that uh, this coming week, I've been on staff for five years here at this church, which is really awesome and an honor. Um, it's truly an honor, uh, and I don't just say that. It truly is an honor to serve and lead under the leadership of Pastor Colby and Kristen, and, uh, who are our lead pastors. So um, you see him floating around, give him a fist bump. Uh, but yeah, so just excited to, to be here today. And you guys already met my wife, Kelsey. Uh, she hosted our services today, and we have a one-year-old daughter. So now we're best friends. Now we're good to go. Now you know everything about me. Um, and just ask Kelsey if there's anything else, you know, like that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, so just excited to be here and to share with you guys today. I, I'd like to start off with a question um, and maybe for you to kind of like think through some things in your own life. But is there anything in your life that has become so familiar that you almost forget that it's even there? Is there like something in your life? Maybe it's something in your house, right? Like you just kind of like... You forgot that it was even there. You just kind of brushed past it, right? Like all the parents, like with the chore list, and you're like, teenagers, how can you keep like living without seeing the chore list? Like I need you to vacuum. Or like my wife would be like, why didn't you put this in the sink, right? You put it right next to the sink, but the sink was right there. Because I just get so familiar with just putting it in one spot, I don't even think maybe about it. Is there something maybe even in owner life that that you have that maybe you just kind of gloss over and think of it as normal and status quo that maybe you've missed in, in your life. Now, I don't have, like, my daughter's one, so she's not doing any chores just yet. Um, it's coming. But, uh, but we do these other things, like, you know, we're putting her to bed, we sing songs, we pray, that kind of thing. One of the things we do, we, we sing lullabies, right? It kind of makes us all feel feel good when you sing a lullaby. And one of those lullabies that we, we sing every once in a while, or at least, at least I do, um, I've come to know now in my wise 31 years that some lullabies are actually really disturbing. Um, and you know what, like you've got the rocking feeling as you're doing it, but it's still kind of like, should I be saying it? Speaking this over my child, like it's really kind of wild. Let me show you an example. In fact, um, would love, it, no one has fallen asleep all morning singing this lullaby, so we're going to sing it together, and it's our 1130 worship experience, so you guys are lively, you've had your coffee, you're good to go. Um, here's the deal, um, the team's probably going to cut my microphone off because they know I sound terrible, and so I'm going to need your help to sing this lullaby, we're going to put the lyrics on the screen, it's a very popular one, it's called Rockabye Baby, you're with me? You're right, you're with me, awesome, let's go, ready? Come on, it's on the screen, Rockabye Baby. On the treetops, they did not mute me. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, oh, bow, okay, cradle will fall. And down will come, baby, cradle and all. Some of you just, like, brought back memories of just, like, your teenager who's now, like, towering over you. You're, like, rocking them to sleep. Not when they're a teenager, when they're a baby, right? It's kind of brought back that feel, the feel-goodness of a, of a solid lullaby, you know? 
But if you really look at a lullaby, like, I mean, specifically this one, but this is not the only one, it is a terrifying song. <laughs> Borderline should be illegal if it's not, right? I mean, let's look at like a baby on a treetop on a windy day. Right? Baby on a treetop, that's one thing. On a windy day, that's an, I'm 31 years old. I'm not climbing to a top of a tree probably ever, but especially not on a windy day. It's kind of weird, right? And then here comes crashing baby, you know? See you later, right? Now, I'm not, this is a silly example, but, and I'm not here to cancel lullabies, so don't, don't email me that. But, but sometimes these lullabies or these things that happen in our lives become so familiar, we kind of glaze over the things that maybe we don't like. Maybe it's even something about yourself you just kind of glaze over. I don't really like this about myself, so I'm not even going to, like, I'm not going to go there. Or this lullaby, you, like, think of the moments of you rocking your child to sleep, but you don't want to think about the baby on the treetop so much. And there's these moments in our lives where we just kind of glaze over the things we don't like. I really like this part. And so I'm just, I'm just going to think of that memory, that moment. But there's some things in our lives maybe we don't like. And I think we approach not only lie, our lives that way, but I would submit to you that I think we actually uh, approach Christianity the same way. Where there's some parts of Christianity, man, we love the miracle working, the, the mountain moving God. But then there's some other things in our lives and within Christianity that we're like, I'm not so sure of that. Like, did Jesus really say that? Like, did he really say, you heard it said an eye for an eye, but I tell you, remove it. And you're like, I should be a pirate now. Like, like did he, I'm not comfortable with that. Like, I, I like the feel-good Christianity, but some of the other parts kind of make me a little uncomfortable. And I, I think if we lullaby ourselves to sleep with the good parts of the Bible, the parts that we love, and we can kind of rally cry around, we can actually miss out on the fullness of what God would have for us. And so today, we're going to talk through a little bit about that, a little about some of the ways and, of Jesus. And I want to share with you a scripture in John uh, chapter 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's uh, actually sharing with them, like, hey, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to go do. And I'm going to leave. And I'm going to come back for you, but you're also going to know the way to me. And one of the disciples says, like, Jesus, like, how, how do we know the way to you? And Jesus responds this really interesting thought in, in John chapter 14 and verse 6. It says this, that Jesus answered them after that question, how do we know the way? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. So they're like, Jesus, how do we know the way? And he's like, me, I'm the way. Like, I'm, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And so the ways of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the truth of the word of God and the life, like, I, that's who I am. Like, come to me and you will be, be saved. And we can find rhythms of grace from God through the ways of Jesus. And the ways of Jesus are how we can shape and mold our, our, our lives. Another verse that I want to share with you today, it's in John 10.10. 10. Uh, it's a familiar verse. Maybe it's kind of like your rally crop verse. It says this, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, this is Jesus saying, I have come that they, meaning us, may have life and have it to the full. Who wants a, a half-life, right? You want a fully alive kind of life, right? Like, you want a life, another version says, like, a life more abundantly. But he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so it appears to me in reading these verses and other verses of, of Jesus that I can't have this fully alive kind of life and a life to its fullest apart from Jesus. Are you with me? Like, I, I can't have it if that's what he came for. But he's also saying, hey, by the way, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Then as I follow him, I can get what he came for. If you, are you with me? And so it's different there. I can't just have the personhood of Jesus because that's the part I really like. I need to have the ways of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the life of Jesus. In fact, that's really what being a Christian is all about. It's not just picking apart the things we, we like, but it's saying, I'm going to choose to follow you wherever that may lead. And it means I'm going to, to believe and follow. Like being a, a Christian is a, a, a mini Christ. I'm going to model my life after you. I'm going to model my life after all of you, not just the parts I like. Not just the lullaby that, that makes me feel good. Not just the verses that I'm just like, yeah, let's, let's go. No, I'm going to model my life after, after everything. And so sometimes the Bible takes us into places uh, and Scripture takes us into places where we need to wrestle with the truth of God's word and how that applies to our own lives. And one of those ways that I want to wrestle with you this morning with the Scriptures, uh, something that's not going to to maybe be comfortable for all of us. It might be a little uncomfortable. Maybe some of you would even be like, well, I've heard all the things about that. Is we're going to talk through an uncomfortable maybe conversation about generosity, uh, about serving, about contributing, about being a part of the mission. Now, listen, I don't want you to tune out because you've been a Christian you know, longer than I've been alive and you've heard countless messages on that. And you've, you've done different things, whatever. I don't want you to tune out because you're not even a follower of Jesus. And can I say... Thank you for being here. We're so thankful that you're here, but I believe that you are here for a reason and a purpose, and so I believe that this message is for you as well. And if you're somewhere in between that, I just want to encourage you today to don't, don't tune out to the parts that you don't like, the song that you don't like, but you would actually tune in. But you actually maybe even lean in a little bit this morning to say, you know what, maybe just maybe this is for me. Maybe, maybe this life and life to the fullest is something that I can hold on to. Today, I want to help us shift a little bit of our perspective, if you will, as it comes to generosity. In fact, if you're a title maker in your notes, that's the title for today's message is a generous perspective. A generous perspective. I want to have a, a different view of generosity, and that's what I want to help paint the picture for us today. Now, you might ask the question, like, why do we need to talk about this, Will? Like, seriously, it's 2022. Do we really need to talk about this? And, and I would say absolutely. <laughs> because in our world today, in our city, even specifically our, our city, we see disasters. We see pandemics. We see poverty. We see hurting and brokenness. We see addictions and destruction. And so many people seeking and searching for hope. And they're not finding it anywhere. And all of that seems to be more of a rule of life rather than the exception. But see, the thing is, is that there's not a community on earth that has the network, the resources, the institutions, or the motivation to make a change than the church has. And so if we as the church have the way of life, if we have the message and the hope and there are people who are seeking and searching and looking for it are there. If we have it and they're there, the only thing that is in between is us. 
It's you. It's me. Getting in the way of, of making that difference. The dangers we face in complacency and, and worldliness. And I believe that as we begin to get this right, and I don't want to say if we get this right, I want to say as we get this right, because I believe we're all here for a specific reason today. It's not to walk out the same way we came, but to walk out with, with something more. I believe that as we get this right, as we start to model our lives towards the ways, the truth, and the life of Jesus, that we can have this life that's fully alive. And we can see how it transforms everything around us and in us. And, and, and the things we're going to talk about today, this is not a brand new concept. In fact, we're going to talk about how this has been since the very beginning. And it's not just something for the cool kids club. It's not just an exclusive kind of thing, right? This is just for us. You and me and then shut the door. No, no, no. It, this is for every single person. And so the first thing I want to hold on to is the, the thing I just mentioned is about that, is that generosity, so the perspective of generosity that we need to hold on to is that generosity is foundational. If you want to have a, a different perspective, okay, cool, we need to have a different output, a different view of what generosity is. One of the things we need to understand is that generosity is foundational. What do I mean by that? That means it's been from the very beginning. This is not just something we added on top. This is what's been built on. Like, you can't read scripture for more than five seconds, really, without seeing just the love and the generousness of our, of our Father, our God, who just loves us so much that gives and has a purpose and a plan for every single one of us that gives us a second chance, and a third chance, and a fourth chance, and a fifth chance. That's not somebody who's stingy. That's somebody who's, who's generous. That's the kind of God that we're talking about here today. And it's found in the very beginnings of our time. It's something that the church as a whole uh, has believed in and stood on for thousands of years. That it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That we are blessed to be a, a blessing. That when we, all, when we do something for someone, when we're generous, it alters the condition of our heart as well. And what we're discovering what scientists discover now is what God has created all along, is that there's, he's, he's created things inside of our body to release these, like, oxytocins and different things. I'm not a scientist. That, like, make you feel a certain way when you're generous to someone. God created that from the beginning. The scientists are just figuring it out now. And that's amazing to see. Let me share this with you as well, is that this has also been from the very beginning. Let me, let me look at this. Jesus, what did he do? He sent out the twelve. Why did he send out the 12 disciples? He sent them out to help people. He sent them out to, to, to cast out demons. He sent them out to, to help the hurting and the broken. Like he sent them out to help people. He did the same thing with the 72. He was like, hey, you need to go. You're a part of this. You don't, like, I don't need to be walking here in and with you. No, no, it's time to, to go send and help people. You are part of, of the opportunity to make that difference. And I love what Jesus says here in Matthew 22. Uh, Jesus was asked a question by someone. They said, like, hey, Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment? Like, what's the greatest commandment? I, I want to know. And, and if you are new to church, maybe you have no idea what a commandment is. This was uh, part of the Old Testament where they would have, like, these laws and these different things to, to learn uh, and to understand them so that they could live in this like kind of perfect kind of sinless like kind of life. But, but God knew that they were going to screw up. In fact, you can't 
fulfill every commandment without Jesus. And so he sent Jesus to help us, right? And so what Jesus says, they ask him, hey, out of all those commandments, what's the, what's the number one, Jesus? And he replies to this, and I love it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. That this right here is the first and greatest commandment. And I love that. So, okay, love God. That's our first and greatest commandment with all of our soul, heart, mind. But the second is like it. He didn't say the second is this. He said the second is like it, which means there's a layer of the first one that you also need to understand the second one. And the second one is this. He says, like it, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. So everything else that you've heard about in the commandments, everything else you've heard about in scripture, hang on the commandments of love God and love people. And I know sometimes I get the question, well, I live on a farm with thousands of acres. I ain't got a neighbor, so it looks like that's not for me. Guess what? The neighbor is the person in front of you, right? Mr. Rogers, will you be my neighbor? You are today. I'm going to love you because you're my neighbor. It's the person who's right there in front of you. And the Bible tells us to love God with what? All of our heart, soul, and mind. And it's really hard to love a God with all of our heart, soul, and mind if we don't love the people that he loves. We miss out on what God would have for us, this life that's a life to the fullest if we, we skip out on the things that he loves and we brush over because you know what? That part makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm all for coming here and learning about God and learning how I can love God even more, but one of the ways you love God is by loving the people that he loves. It's as simple as that. And we can read page after page in the Bible when we see people who keep screwing up, keep missing the mark, but we also see a God who's just generous in his love towards them time and time again. Generosity, it's foundational. This is not something that's brand new. This is not new 10 ways to live or anything like that. This is from the very, very beginning. He, he gave and he breathed breath into life and he gave life to things. By, by doing so, he was generous so much and giving people chances and all these types of things because he loves us that much. It's a foundational and a core principle to what we believe in following Jesus. And if we want to follow the way, the truth, and life of Jesus, we need to understand that it's foundational in our generosity. It's foundational. The second thing we need to understand is this. You can write this down. Is that generosity is inclusive. Sometimes we think of things that we do in church as an exclusive kind of thing. Sometimes we think like, oh, that's just for us. You know, cool, awesome. No, generosity is inclusive. What do I mean by that? That God has actually included you into his plan of generosity. That you are light, and when light comes into dark, guess what? There's no more separation. It includes everything that was dark, right? It, it, light, it, generosity is inclusive. It brings hope to the hurting. This is what Jesus said in Matthew, when his Sermon on the Mount, which is one of his most famous sermons that he's, he's ever taught. He says this, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. The town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to who? To everyone in the house, not just the people who look like us. Not just people who talk like us or sound like us or the person who can make a mean meal, you know? Like, it is, you are light, and the light is for everyone. And it says, in the same way, 
Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus is telling us that our light, the light that's been so foundationally brought into this world and through us and for us, that we are the light of the world. We're a city on a hill, and we are called to shine our light into all places where, that we will see, and they will praise our heavenly Father. That's what we're called to do is to bring light. So what Jesus is saying is like, hey, you're called to go into the dark places and bring light. You're called to find something that's wrong and make it right. You're called to see things that were broken and work to make them whole. You are called to see injustice and bring justice. And when you do, this is what's going to happen is that people will praise your heavenly Father. Because they see what the things that you are doing, they will praise the Heavenly Father. So we're including other, we're including darkness into the light. And we're bringing light into that. And we're shining light so people can see. And let me just share this with you. This is the, one of the most dangerous mindsets that we can have. And it's a mindset that I've had in my past as well. And so I wouldn't be probably alone in saying this. Maybe even some of you have it today. But it's a dangerous mindset is this, is that someone else will. It's that someone else will go and do that. Yes, I'm the light. I love that verse. That's my verse. You're the light of the world, right? But he's like, hey, don't forget, you have to shine the light that, that you are. And sometimes we don't like that part. So we say, well, someone else, you know what? There's plenty of churches around there. There's plenty of Christians around there. Someone else will do it. And I can just sit here today and say, Thank God that Pastor Colby and Kristen didn't say, well, someone else will plant a life-giving church in Erie, Pennsylvania. Because my life was been forever changed because of that decision. So I'm so thankful they didn't just say, eh, someone else will do it. They're all right. There's other churches in Erie. I'm sure they'll figure it out. No, see, the principle is that if God put it inside of you, he will use you to, to deliver it through. So if there's a, a longing on your heart to do something, if there's a longing in your heart that's going to, to, to be able to make a difference and make an impact, God put it there for a reason. Not for someone else to do it, but for you to do it. And you might even say, hey, I didn't create the problem. So why do I need to fix it? But God wants to partner with you to solve it. Just because you didn't do it doesn't mean he can't use you to, to bring light to it. Generosity, it's inclusive. And when we include other people into it, as I just mentioned, it changes lives. And that's the last thing I want you to write down, is that generosity changes lives. Like my life has been forever changed because of this church and, and, and understanding and learning more about God. And every single time I see life change happen, guess what happens? One at a time. One life at a time. In scripture, we see Jesus. He's doing these miracles, different things, signs and wonders, but he's healing one person at a time. And when he heals the girl, guess what? Other people believed. He, he heals the blind man and many believed. He would just go from town to town, one person at a time, making a difference, seeing a need and meeting a need. And let me share that with you as well, is that when we are generous, we're simply just meeting the needs of another person. Or it may be a people group if it's a group of them. That's what it looks like to be generous. So the perspective that we need to have is that generosity is foundational, it's inclusive, and it changes lives. But we don't have to make it complicated. We're simply meeting the needs of a person who's right in front of us. 
So, so what does that look like? Even more practically, I'm hungry. Someone gives me a sandwich. I'm no longer hungry. Me, need I had was food. Need met food. Need met life changed. And generosity changes lives. So as we, we give of our time and our treasures and our talents, we see that as we meet needs, lives are changed. And they're not here to, to glorify you or I. They're here to glorify the Father in heaven. And one of the things I love about generosity, and it's, it's detailed here in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24, it tells us this, that one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. It says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I'm not going to get into this in full this morning. Uh, maybe another day, but I know some of you might even be sitting here like, oh, there it is. That's the prosperity gospel. I was waiting for that one to kind of come through. Or that's the, the poverty gospel. I'm, I'm waiting for that one to come through. I'm, I'm not into all that. I'm not into the prosperity gospel where, hey, if you sow a seed of $1,000, you're going to get a Lamborghini, an airplane, and a haircut. Like, that's not going to happen. Maybe, I mean, but I'm not into all that. I'm also not into the poverty gospel, though, either, where it says you can't, like, live in your own house and have your own things. I'm not into that as well. Here's my perspective on those two things. Here's my perspective and what this verse, I believe, is, is teaching us today. Is that when it comes to poverty, I want to be poor in the things of the flesh. When it comes to poverty, I want to be poor in, in the sin that so easily entangles me. I want to lack the lust, the anger, the greed, the selfish ambitions in my life. I want to be poor in that. I don't want to have any of it. I want to be so poor that you couldn't even see that it was ever there in the first place. But don't be wrong. I want to be prosperous as well in the things of God. I want prosperity in the things that God would give me through the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I want prosperous, I want a prosperous life in those things. And the Bible tells us, right, another who withholds comes to poverty. We don't get to see the things that God would have for us. But man, that person who was generous, what happens? Whoever refreshes others are ultimately refreshed. And so part of what I get a chance to do here at the church is lead some different teams within the overall ministry of Elevate. And what's really cool is that I get a chance to talk to people when I do that. And so uh, I got a chance to ask a few of them, like, hey, what does it look like to serve? Like, why do you love serving? How's it going? Like, what's, what's up? And let me just share just a few quick stories with you. The first one is from my friend Drew. I was like, Drew, man, what's it like? You just started serving, you know, everything good? Like, give me a little bit of your perspective. And he says this, he's like, I'm enjoying surfing. It's giving me purpose on top of being able to come into God's house and worship. And so Drew takes an hour and a half or so out of his Sunday. He's generous with this time. Could he be doing other things during that time? Absolutely. But what does Drew get? As he serves, as he interacts with you, as he smiles, as he waves, Drew finds that he can find purpose here. Drew finds that God is using him and he's refreshing him and he's pouring out to other people. But man, he's, he's being refreshed. He's finding purpose. My friends Rod and Debbie, they said, man, I'm just excited. I'm especially getting to meet more new people, especially excited to meet more new people and also be able to interact more, making people feel as welcome and wanted as I have when we first started coming and we still do. 
And so, so Rod and Debbie, they felt something when they were here because someone was generous with their time. And what they decided to do is like, you know what? I'm going to step out. I'm going to do that. In fact, I want someone to feel and to experience the exact same thing that I felt and experienced. And so as they refresh others, guess what? They're also being refreshed. They're not holding back and saying, you know what? Somebody else will do it. They're not holding back and saying, you know what? I got something else I got going on. No, no, no. They're stepping up and saying, you know what? I'm generous with my time and I'm going to make it happen. And what happens is they see they're able to make a difference in the lives of others. And here's the last one I want to share with you. This is my friend Tina. Tina says this. She says, hey, things are going fabulous on my end. And I know it's all about serving others and spreading the word of Jesus. However, I can't help but feel a little selfish because I truly feel so great every time I serve. I just can't get enough. I'm very blessed to be able to serve and be a part of Elevate Church. Can I ask you, is Tina being refreshed as she's refreshing others? Is she generous with her time? Is she generous with her, the opportunity that she has? And she just says, you know what, I'm going to give freely. And you know what, it feels a little bit selfish because I feel so good doing it. That's how God has wired us. That's what the perspective that we need to have is that generosity is not just like this kind of stingy thing. It's something that actually makes a difference and it changes lives and the people in our church and beyond. It changes lives of people in our, our city, refreshing others. And we will also be refreshed, being prosperous in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I know here's one of the questions that we'll get is, so what about me? What about me and my needs, Will? You don't know my story. You don't know the things that I need. You don't know this need, and I got this, and my this, and my that, and my whatever. And I know you kind of sound like the bird from Nemo at this point. But I just want to tell you this. I know you have a need. I don't know what necessarily the need may be, but from my own personal experience, every single time that I've made a sacrifice of my time, my treasure, my talents on the altar of comfort and, and, and stepped out for God, what I've discovered is that God filled the needs I didn't even know I had. Every single time I step out, I take a couple hours on a, on a Saturday or whatever the day may be. I, I come and I serve and I see that I meet somebody and I just have a conversation with them and I go and I leave and I'm like, wait a second, there was something going on. I, I, I would have never met that person had I stayed comfortable, had I done other things. So we're going to have to sacrifice some things. But the greatest sacrifice has already been, been given to us, and so we sacrifice and we do things out of that. We serve and we love and we're generous outside of that. We love other people as we love God. The perspective I want you to hold on to today is that life is not about what we get out of it, but it's what we can give through it. We might want to hold on to things, but the Bible tells us that the, the one who withholds comes poverty. In fact, in, in Matthew, you can go ahead and read it, but in Matthew chapter 6, it tells us not to store up things on these treasures on earth where things are going to come and take it away. But it says to store up our, ourselves treasures in heaven where there's no one that's going to come and be able to take it away. What does it mean to store up a treasure in heaven? It means to make a difference in this world that's going to last in eternity. It means showing and shining your light in the dark places. It means doing something with what you've been given for the sake of not just for the sake of nothing, but for the sake of Christ, for the sake of making a difference, for the sake of somebody else finding the hope and the healing that you found that you're sitting in today. And it also tells us in that verse that where your treasure is, that your heart will also be. So can I ask you, church, this morning, where's your heart? 
Where's your heart? Is it in a space where it's holding on to everything? Is it in a space where I'm not sure if I can be generous with that? I'm not sure if I've got the time for that. I'm not sure if I've got someone else will. Is that the place where it's at? Is it kind of somewhere in between? I've got this generous spirit for me for just a moment, but at the same time, I'm not really quite sure. I love Jesus. I want to follow the way, the truth, the life of Jesus. I want the life and life to the fullest, but we can't have it if we're holding on to our own lives. Generosity has been so ingrained into our lives. It's foundational to the world and to existence. It's inclusive. It brings other people in. This is not just for us. It's for everyone, and it changes lives. We see it happen time and time again. People in this church, people in this city said, man, thank you so much for being generous. Thank you so much for being, for doing what you do. And I know we can even sit here and we can say, man, well, what about them? What are they going to do with the generosity that we have? Like, what are they going to do with the bike that we give them? What are they going to do with the money that we gave them? What are we going to do with the sandwich that we made or, or whatever it may be? Guess what? It doesn't matter. Pastor Colby told me years ago, and I love this, it's, it's rocked me really ever since. He said, because we were having that kind of conversation. He said, man, it's up to you to be obedient to God and what the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. You be you and let God be God. So it doesn't matter what somebody else might do. What matters is what you can do. And you can be generous. You can step into that, that space. Listen, we don't judge obedience by the outcome of the situation. No, we judge obedience by the faithfulness in the process. And so if God is leading you somewhere to do something, well, then guess what? God's leading you there, and therefore he will be there as well. God's prompting you in your heart. Maybe you wanted to, to stuff that away. That's the part of the song. That's the baby on the treetop. I don't really like that part. Can we just rock with something else? But God is asking you to step up and make a difference and serve and be a part of what his mission is, which is bringing uh, heaven to earth and bringing people to know him. If he's been calling you to do that, guess what? It's time to go. It's time to step up. See, Jesus was super clear in that text that we read. I don't know if you caught it or not. He says, your good deeds, your good deeds, your good actions are what are going to cause people to glorify our Father in heaven. He did not say your good intentions. Intentions feel good in the moment. Oh, I'm intending to do that. I'm intending to. But man, that just withers and fades away so fast if you don't bring up intention to action and actually do something about it, actually make that difference. And we can just be passerbys, we can just stand by and say, maybe someone else will, or we can stand up and get into the battlefield. And we can bring light to a hurting and broken world. We can't brush over parts of our faith, parts of scripture that we just don't like. We can't just think of the good verses and not wrestle with all the verses. And so as our perspective changes, as we look and see, man, you know what? Foundational, the life is generosity, and that's who our God is, and so that's who I am. So I'm, okay, I get that. I can be inclusive. I can bring light to a dark place. Okay, I'm with you. And you're saying that maybe, just maybe, a life can change, but I can promise you that your life will change the more generous you are. It alters the condition of your heart. And so let me, as we close, I'm going to end with this. 
I've got two action steps for you, two ways that you can take today's message and you can actually apply it. This is not just, again, well, yep, you guys talk about that every single week. No, no, this is for you. I want to encourage you to apply today's message, to live a life generously, to step up and step out instead of standing by, waiting for whatever it is you're waiting for. And I want to encourage you to attend Crash Course. If you've never gone through Crash Course before, what is Crash Course? It's one day, two day, perfect, look at that. Just after the service, we got lunch and childcare provided for you. Hey, if, if you already had lunch plans, okay, we're gonna have to change some of your plans to do the things that God would have you to do. But it gives you an opportunity to step up and make a difference, to make this house a home and a place where you can say, you know what, I'm a part of what God is doing in here. I'm not just in the seats, I'm, I'm actually a part of it. I'm doing something here. I can make a difference. Maybe you've served in the past and you've just kind of let other things get in the way. It's time to buck up. Let's go. Let's make that difference. Let's do something. Let's reach people. So I want to encourage you to stick around if you haven't gone through Crash Course. And maybe you are one of those people who have served and haven't come back on for whatever reason it may be. I don't, I don't know. But I want to encourage you to talk to somebody. Come find me. Find a team member. Get connected. Be a part of what God is doing in and through this place. And the last thing I want to encourage you with is this. Is that 814 day next week that my wife talked about? I mean, I'm serious. It's going to be a blast. But I will say this as well. Between like Easter and Christmas, a lot of people say like, man, that's a can't miss Sunday. Can I tell you 814 day is a can't miss Sunday? Next week is not a day off because we don't have our 1130 service. So I'm going to go and do, no, no, no. It's a day on. It's a day where our light can shine in our city in a way that it's never shined before. So don't treat it as a day off. It's a day on. It's time to strap the boots up and let's go. Let's see what God would lead us towards. And so that's my challenge for you today. See generosity in a, in a different way to see that, man, this has been here from all along, that I can actually be a part of this, that God is choosing me to partner with him to make that difference, and I can change people's lives, and man, my life is going to be changed as well. And as I'm refreshing others, man, I'm getting refreshed. Don't take next week off. Be on and be ready for what God would have for us. Let me pray for us in our time together. Father, we come before you. Father, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, online, in the room, in the lobby, wherever they may be. Father, I pray for a Holy Spirit confidence to just fall on them, Father, to to not wait around anymore, God, but that we can understand and see that your word is true and that generosity is... God, it's part of how you've created us. It's part of our design is to to give and to be a part of of what you're doing here in the city that you've placed us in. And so, Father, we thank you for that. I pray right now that the perspective is changing for the people in this room. Father, I pray that the life change that is able to be experienced because of what you're doing, God, as you you partner with us to bring light into a dark place, God, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you for partnering with us, God. Thank you for including us in your mission of life change, God. Even as this time as we are praying, I know that there are some of you that 
the life change that we've been talking about is you realize that the only life that needs to change next is yours. And even as Jesus was going around healing all these people, he was doing it one by one. And right now, right here, you are the one. And he's been drawing you and drawing you closer and closer to him. Maybe right now is the day that you say, you know what, I'm not going to wait around anymore for anything else. Today's the day I'm saying yes to you. I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. I know you've been calling me. I've been seeking and searching and trying to fill this God-sized hole with everything that this world has to offer, but nothing satisfies. And so today I'm choosing to follow you. It doesn't mean you're going to have it all figured out, but it means the beginnings of the ways, the truth, the life of Jesus you'll find. And so if that's you in the room, if you know that today's your day, today's this part of your story where your life has been forever changed by the, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, would you just be so bold this morning and lift up your hand? I want to know who I'm praying with. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Praise God for you for those hands and the decisions that are being made to say yes to Jesus, that today's my day. You can say something as simple as this. I want to just lead you in a prayer. Say, Jesus, today, I give my life to you. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you resurrected to new life for me. Today, I turn from my sin. Instead, I choose to follow you. And it's with all that I am, Jesus. I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate? Hey, I'm going to dismiss you in just a moment. But for those of you who just raised your hands, hey, don't leave without telling somebody the decision that you made. You can let us know online as well. Um, if you brought cash or check, as Kelsey mentioned, if you want to give in, of your tithes and offerings, that way our team will be available for you. But let me just say this. You guys all got the marching order. It's crash course. It's 814 day. It's time to go. We don't need to sit back anymore. Okay, so we'll see you next week. Just keep coming back. Come on. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.